The investigation is over. Well, internally, at least, for the University of Tennessee. No bowl ban. Self-imposed. That, a complete Kentucky preview with Justin Rowland of Cats Illustrated. That's the rival side covering the University of Kentucky. All that and more. A busy, busy Friday. Locked on balls. Buckle up. It's going to be a good one. You are Locked on Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. A good Friday, everybody. Welcome to Locked On Balls, your team every single day. As you heard in the cold open, we have got just a incredibly busy Friday show to get into, so I'm not going to try to waste a whole, a whole lot of time, but you guys know where you can follow me at underscore Kaner at Locked On Balls. I'm your host, Eric Kane. Uh, Locked On Vols, your first listen each and every day. This episode of Locked On Vols is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty food and affordable food. It's a place where family and friends can come from the community to come together. Okay, a big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. McDonald's, I'm loving it. Uh, Tennessee, we're going to talk the, um, usually on Fridays, we'll go heavy preview right out of the gate. Well, the preview is going to wait for segments two and three for Tennessee, Kentucky, obviously. Okay. Justin Rowland, a long segment number two uh, with uh, Cats Illustrated. That's coming up. He'll talk all things Kentucky. That's in segment two. My game preview for Tennessee at Kentucky. We'll finish things off in segment three. But we're going to start right now talking about the news that broke yesterday. Uh, was tipped off earlier in the day on Thursday that it was going to be happening uh, later on in the afternoon. And obviously, Jimmy Himes, Valquest, first uh, f- first on the scene there. And essentially, Tennessee is not going to self-impose a bowl game. And that's something that we've talked about. We, we knew that that was going to be kind of the thing. And it's interesting. I, I asked Trey that question earlier in the week when I had him on. Because, I mean, you guys, I mean, I, I, I'm i covering the team right now. It, it's weird. It, it, I think it comes with experience. And the more you've been in the business, you know, covering everything all around. We all have our strengths in terms of, you know, how you cover things. The investigation has been something that I've just not really covered. I mean, of course, I know I know the big stuff, obviously. But, you know, I'm covering the team. So, um, that's been on the back burner for me this entire time. And so, I asked Trey his question because simply it was more of a courtesy because he's the one that started this whole thing uh, with his reporting last year. And he said, I think there's a there's a side and uh, you know the, an end coming up. And so from there, I just dug, and, and then I, you know, obviously here we are, right? And the news broke uh, yesterday afternoon. And so essentially, Tennessee's not going to self-impose a bowl ban. They're not. Um, I didn't think they should. I think the NCAA is a joke. I think um, when you try to work with the NCAA, they're just going to screw you. Hello, Oklahoma State. I mean, can you believe that that bunch of BS? I mean, goodness gracious, it was three hundred dollars, right? $300 and what they put that that program through and that coaching staff through the last couple of years, goodness gracious. So I think the NCAA is a big bunch of jokes. I would not have a self-imposed a bowl ban whatsoever, even though at the end of the day, a bowl ban is nothing. But it means a lot to recruits and it means a lot uh, to the current student athletes. Uh, it, it really, really does. So I uh, didn't think Tennessee was going to self-impose a bowl ban, thought it would be something else uh, down the line. And essentially, that's what it's going to be. Now, Tennessee's not going to get off scotch-free. They're going to have to uh, come out and, and self-impose some recruiting restrictions at some point. We don't know exactly what those are right now, um, but hopefully we will sooner or later. But the big news out of Thursday, Tennessee, the internal investigation is over. Tennessee investigating itself, it is over. No self-imposed bowl ban, and now the next step will be whatever the NCAA wants to do. And gosh, that could be now or that can be in five years. You know how the NCAA works. Tennessee did release a statement yesterday. I'm going to read it here. 
This is the statement from the University of Tennessee. Quote, The university has completed its investigation of rules violations within the football program. We are moving forward with our focus on rebuilding our football program and supporting the student-athletes. We will now work to finalize a fair and efficient resolution through the application process while navigating a rapidly changing landscape in intercollegiate athletics that includes transformative change in the NCAA, the Alston decision, and significant new name, image, and likeness rights for our student-athletes. We will hold ourselves accountable considering the nature of the violations, our prompt investigation, and corrective personnel actions. <laughs> yeah and the new recruiting environment and other factors. In the interest of protecting the rights of the innocent student-athletes, the university will not impose a postseason bowl ban. NCAA bylaws prevents us from sharing details of the investigation at this time, but we do commit to providing that information when we are able. We appreciate the patience and support of our fans during this process. Typically, Tennessee says, hey, everybody that was guilty, players, coaches, they gone. We're not going to... We're not going. We're not going to punish uh, the current student athletes in this program or the new coaching staff. And so, um, what will happen to this? Well, restricting some of the recruiting stuff uh, will happen in terms of maybe restricting some official visitors, maybe restricting a couple of the days that the coaching staff can be on the road to evaluate, uh, maybe restricting a couple of scholarships over a couple year span. Stuff like that will happen. It's just not going to be a, po- a, a postseason bowl ban from. The University of Tennessee. That doesn't mean that the NCAA, <clears throat> excuse me, the NCAA can't come down and, and do something later. But this is just from the University of Tennessee. All right, I'm going to play a four-minute clip. This is Austin Price and Brent Hubbs, my cohorts, and uh, Brent, my boss at VolQuest.com. They do a great job of breaking it down. This is minutes after the news dropped. This is Brent Hubbs, Austin Price, VolQuest.com, talking about. Tennessee not imposing a a postseason bowl ban with the internal investigation wrapped up. The cloud of the investigation that's kind of loomed over this program for the last year seems to be lifted. Tennessee's investigation is over. They're not going to self-impose a bowl ban. What does it mean? Well, I think, first of all, the bowl ban's not a huge surprise. If Tennessee gets to six wins, they're going to go to a bowl game, and that's what should happen for this group of kids. You do not pull the rug out from under them in November or any point during the season. We have talked about that. I think Tennessee is very much of the mindset this group of kids who are on this field and in this program now are not guilty parties in what has taken place in the previous uh, program with Jeremy Pruitt, and they don't deserve to be punished. So Tennessee is not going to self-impose a bowl ban. The bigger story for me, Austin, is that Michael Glazer's group is done with the investigative process, and Tennessee's done with that. They've worked hand-in-hand. Now, the Glazer group will remain on retainer. They'll still do some work for Tennessee to help them navigate through the NCAA waters. But in terms of going out and finding people to talk to, continuing the interviews for the million dollars that they have billed Tennessee for for the last year, those days are over as this investigation is over from a that, that standpoint of it. All right, so... What does it mean? Well, that means Tennessee's going to go to a bowl game, as he said. But they're not going to get off scot-free here, Brent. They're going to have to self-impose some things, uh, the specific nature of which we are not sure at this point. But we do know, if you look at history, you're talking about limiting your number of on-the-road recruiting. You're limiting the number of uh, official visitors, which, again, no one really sees all that. Like, the common fan doesn't see they get 56 official visitors and now they only get 52 or whatever. I mean, no one's going to pay attention to that. The one thing that people will notice, though, potentially would be the reduction in scholarships, but Tennessee, already under the number this year, can self-impose, you know, those numbers can go a long ways towards it not being as bad down the road. Well, and again, those numbers are, are will be 
you know, the self-imposed proposed penalties by Tennessee will be, you know, mitigated over a period of time. Sure. So it, and, and it's not initials, okay? So it's not a signing class number. Josh Heupel's on the record saying a week ago he expects to sign a full class. Sure Tennessee is. expects to sign a full class. And I think that will be the, the way that it goes. But, yes, Tennessee is not thumbing their nose at the NCAA. They're not kicking rocks at them and saying we're going to do whatever we want to do. They understand that they are, the institution has blame in, in what took place under the Jeremy Pruitt watch, and they are understanding that they have to have violations and have to self-report violations from that. But those violations occurred in recruiting, and precedent says you stay in the realm of recruiting for those violations, and that's what we expect Tennessee will do. Tennessee fans, when they hear this, I, I think the reaction is going to be, okay, after what happened yesterday at Oklahoma State, good on Tennessee to, to stand up a little bit. Again, they're not turning their, their nose up at it. But at the same time, they're also not going to just sit here and wait on, you know, to be hit with a paddle. Well, and I think that's the thing is what, what's interesting in, 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 with the NCAA moving forward is how is everything going to be handled from an infraction standpoint? What's the infractions committee look like? There, there's so many committees out there. There's so many proposals out there, legislation out there uh, potentially for increased due process, accountability, don't punish you know the current student athletes who are not guilty of things. All those things are on the table moving forward and we're in a time of transition with the NCAA, particularly from an enforcement standpoint with the transfer portal, NILs, all those things on, on the table now. How does the NCAA navigate those waters? It's unclear. And what's, but, but what is clear, Austin, is Tennessee's case not getting to the court anytime soon. Okay, when you look at the NCAA, it's years before you get there. So what the NCAA looks like now compared to when Tennessee's case is heard or, or whatever, I mean, it's vastly different. And I think Tennessee's just said, you know what? We're not going to sit here and let our kids be in limbo, let our fans be in limbo. We, we, need to, we need to move forward and let them know they can play in a bowl game. I think that's what Tennessee's doing. And, and again, I think the bigger note is that Tennessee's, we're no longer looking. Okay, we, we've, we have done, we feel like we've done our due diligence. We've looked into everything we need to look into over the last year, and we're moving out of that phase. Again, that was Brent Hubbs' awesome price of VolQuest.com breaking down the news of Thursday. All right, time to get into the Tennessee-Kentucky preview. Justin Rowland, Cats Illustrated, he will join me for a lengthy segment number two on the other side. But before we get into that, guys, it is McDonald's. Hey, I'm going to be heading up. Uh, what is it, I-75, I'm going to be heading to Lexington this weekend to cover Tennessee at Kroger Field, all right? I'm going to be going with my buddy Ben McKee and my buddy Austin Price, two guys from VolQuest. I can already tell you that at midnight, when we leave that stadium, hopefully after a Tennessee victory, Austin Price is going to want something to eat. Austin Price is going to want something quick, cheap, and tasty. And Austin Price is going to suggest McDonald's. And, and why not? McDonald's, it's 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 more than just affordable food, but it's a place to go there, recharge, reflect, take a deep breath, and, and, and really catch your breath all while while dining in affordable, tasty food, right? It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect, a place where classmates can meet up for a study group, maybe coworkers after a big long night on on site, or you know, knowing that we need dependable Wi-Fi, endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries, win or lose, a place where teammates, competitors, the home team, or the away team can come and recharge. It's a place you always look forward to and stopping on those long road trips, again, like I'll be on, to rest your legs and refuel. Hey, McDonald's, it is going to come in the clutch for us when we leave Kroger Field. I can guarantee you that. And 
It might come in clutch for a little Saturday morning breakfast as well, or Sunday morning breakfast when we head on out the other way. All right, McDonald's, it's it's affordable food. It's tasty food, but it's, it's really a place of fellowship. McDonald's, I'm loving it. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Justin Rowland, he is the publisher of Cats Illustrated. That's the rival site covering uh, the University of Kentucky now joining the show. Justin, thanks so much, man. I got to ask you out of the gate, kind of what's been the feel in Lexington this week? Of course, a big-time rivalry game, two fan bases that don't like each other. What's been the feel there uh, amongst the Kentucky fan base on this game with Tennessee coming up? I would say there's a little bit of concern. You know, in the offseason and in the first part of the year, uh, this is a game that I think a lot of Kentucky fans were – even expecting to win, uh, regardless of how the series history has gone. But Tennessee appears to be ahead of schedule, and especially what they've been doing early in games to teams over the last several weeks, uh, coupled with Kentucky's losing two games in a row and not looking good in Starkville, I think uh, has, has a mood of apprehension over the program right now. Yeah, obviously, we can all look at a stat sheet. We can see that Levis struggle. We can see uh, what Will Rogers did in that football game. But you know what's, what, what happened in that football game? Because... We could see that Mississippi State, that is a game that it could win. I just don't think we expected it to be one so heavily one-sided. Well, Mississippi State has been kind of up and down all year, and you, you get that a lot with a Mike Leach team, and they played very well, to their credit. They played really well. Mark Stoop seemed to know going into this game that um, it was kind of a trap. It was after Georgia, and we've seen repeatedly in the Stoops era, if there's a late-season game, it's a little bit cold, it's on the road, maybe it's after a loss, there is a tendency for a letdown. Uh, so he coached more aggressively. He went after a punt and got a punt return touchdown. Um, he was just more aggressive coaching, trying to change it up. They even stayed in a different hotel than they normally do in Starkville. They had lost five in a row there going into this one. But, you know, tennis, or, uh, Mississippi State just punched him in the mouth after Kentucky went up 10 to nothing and rattled off 31 points in a row, and, and it just seemed like Kentucky didn't respond. I don't think it was so much about X's and O's as it was missed tackles and just kind of having a deer in the headlights look. Kentucky wants to run the football. has got a talented running back, of course, and Rodriguez second in the league in rushing behind Tyler Beatty. But the last two weeks, and Georgia's Georgia, but against the Bulldogs, Georgia and Mississippi State, a combined 117 rushing yards. Is it, for Tennessee, is it shut down the run and you win, or is it more complicated than that? Well, uh, George, you know, Georgia can do that to anybody. So that, that's one thing. The Mississippi State thing w- was a little different. They did not start Chris Rodriguez in that game, who was the SEC's leading rusher going into it, probably on track for about 1,200 yards last week. Um, and so the coaches have alluded to something being up with him. Uh, he did play, but he fumbled three times. He put it on the turf three times, and that was a, that was a problem earlier this year. I would say, I mean, when Rodriguez is running and they commit to running him early, I have little doubt they're going they're going to be able to run the ball. The question is, is he going to fumble? And maybe not just once, maybe twice, because they tended to come in bunches with him. So. 
They were more pass-happy at, at Mississippi State than I expected them to be, and I, I'm very confident that Tennessee is going to see a heavy dose of the ground game. That's, gonna, that's what Mark Stoops does. He's going to go back to the ground, and it's, it's going to be 70% run, I would imagine. Talking with Justin Rowland, he is the publisher of CatsIllustrated.com, the rival side covering Kentucky. And I've read some of your work this week, fantastic work. And in, in one of your pieces earlier this week, you said, hey, you know, Kentucky's probably going to try to run the football because you see the stat sheet against you know, what Tennessee gave up against Ole Miss, Alabama, a little bit against South Carolina. It's been good against opposing running backs, but quarterbacks uh, have had a field day on Tennessee so far. So obviously you'd expect a, a heavy dose of Rodriguez if, if he's in the ball game. But do you expect Will Levis to be um, a, a big part of this run game, specifically on third and uh, third and medium, third and long uh, with the draw game? Because that is where Tennessee has suffered here the last couple of weeks. Yeah, the LSU game, he showed that he can do it. I mean, he's a great athlete who does have decent speed but is more likely to like break tackles than to run past guys at the second level. I just I don't think Liam Cohen, the offensive coordinator, is a guy who's going to run Levis 12 to 15 times. I just don't think that's in the cards. Against LSU, there were several design runs. I think you might see five to seven of those, but you know, it's, it's not in Kentucky's DNA to just make him a running quarterback. I think they want to run with Rodriguez and they want play action and then sneak in the quarterback run a little bit. Is that surprising? Because I know he got a little bit of run, no pun intended, at, at Penn State before coming to Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we didn't know what to expect from him, but we did know that Penn State had used him as basically a fullback kind of option at quarterback, almost you know similar to Tebow, not in terms of how the outcome, but just the style of player. Um, but it turns out, I mean, he, he really has fantastic mechanics. Like if you watch the guy throw, how the ball comes out, you're not going to find a more physically impressive quarterback in the country. So I think Cohen really built the offense around turning this guy into uh, an NFL pocket passer type of quarterback. And I just I don't see him changing that going into this game. But I, I do have to think they're going to you know draw up some wrinkles because of the issue Tennessee's had defensively. Yeah, we'll stay on Levis here. I mean, he he's I would agree with you. I think he's got tremendous talent. I think he's got good mechanics. Um, started off the season pretty hot. But he has struggled here of late. Of course, had three picks last week yeah. um, against Florida in a win that Kentucky got. He was very, very mediocre. Uh, did not do anything to really help win that football game, at least from a passing uh, perspective. But kind of what's been, you know, Levis's deal this year from your perspective in, in covering every single game this year? He's still an inexperienced college quarterback. I mean, he he started maybe two games at Penn State, um, but. This is really his first year as a starter, and so we're watching him go through it in real time. He, he mentally wasn't great against Mississippi State. He made a lot of throws that didn't need to be made, try to fit throws into tight tight windows and double coverage, and he paid for it. Um, interceptions have come in bunches. It hasn't been a steady stream of picks throughout the season. A lot of the time he's been good in that respect, but he has a tendency to throw a couple uh, against good coverage. Um there have been games and he's been really good. I thought even though he didn't have a lot of yards, he played really well against Georgia. I think he played really well against LSU. I think he played well in the, in the opener. But when, when teams took away the deep ball, when they, they kept those safeties back, took away the deep ball, it forced him to, to become, I guess, a more technically advanced player, and he's not always there. He, he's, still, he's still refining that part of his game, the checkdowns, getting to the second read, making quick decisions. Um, so I think if you can pressure him, if you can blitz him and force him to make those quick decisions, get to the second read, that's your best chance at forcing mistakes. 
couple more here with Justin Rowland. And Justin, when I look at this Kentucky offense, um, it looks a lot like a Kentucky offense under Mark Stoops here of old, and that's a welcoming side overall uh, for the Kentucky football program. But it's uh, an offense that wants to run the football an awful lot, wants to take its time. Um, but it looked like Stoops made some changes in the offseason, firing Grant and firing the quarterback's coach, bringing in Cohen, and and tried to you know create a new philosophy offensively. But it does look a lot like what it has you know, the last couple of seasons. Um, has there been enough progression there on the offensive end? I know Kentucky's at a at an SEC worst 61 plays per game. Has there been enough progression there on the offense, or has it just been a lot of frustration more so this year? I mean, people are going to have different opinions on that. I'm of the mind that it is still a very improved offense. I mean, we, Tennessee fans are going to be used to seeing a Kentucky team that is completely one-dimensional. You know, you have to account for Levis's ability to throw the deep ball. He really does throw a really nice deep ball. I haven't had any success doing it lately. A lot of the problem has been the receiver room is just not deep enough. You've got Wandale Robinson and Josh Ali, and that's really two SEC-level rotation-caliber receivers, and most teams have a lot more than that. Um, so he, he, he really locks in on Wandale. I will, I, they, just, they have more talent, and it's a more balanced offense than, than they've had in a long time. So the tight ends are involved more. Uh, they do have a playmaker that, you know, there's the threat of taking – taking the, the, the short pass into a touchdown with Wandale. But uh, they, I think they, they just have to settle on their identity. They got away from being a running team against Mississippi State. They weren't able to run against Georgia. That's why I think Mark Stoops is going to go back to that old-fashioned identity. And you'll still see more play-action passing. The quarterback is better than it's been in probably 10 years. Levis is the best guy they've had since probably Mark Hartline a decade ago. But, but yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been kind of cold lately. Talking a lot of offense here with Kentucky. Under Mark Stoops, Kentucky always has a solid defense, great at the line of scrimmage on both sides. Uh, you look at this defense uh, here so far in 2021, it's been solid. I think it's fifth overall in, in team defense in the SEC, about 335 given up, the opposite way a game. But where this Kentucky team has struggled, it's been a little uncharacteristic. Like, I mean, not a whole lot of takeaways, just four on the season. Um, what do you think has been the biggest issue or biggest reason for that? Just not being very aggressive up front and, and rushing the passer or just not being very – very good in the back end in terms of being aggressive trying to go get the football. They didn't turn over teams at a crazy rate last year with the exception of the Tennessee and Mississippi State games when they had a ton of interceptions. Um, I think a lot of it is schematic. They play a, kind of a shell to keep everything in front. So Kentucky under Stoops is almost always going to be one of the nation's best teams at taking away explosive plays. You know, if you look at the advanced numbers, the teams that win the explosive play battle uh, win more often sometimes than even the team that wins the turnover battle. And so Stoops calculates that if you take away explosive plays, most college quarterbacks are going to shoot themselves in the foot trying to march the team down the field constantly to beat you. And that, that's the philosophy. So what, what didn't work against Mississippi State was they didn't tackle on the outside. Um, but um, as far as limiting explosives, um, they, they've been great except against Georgia. Um, the issue they're facing now is they're just kind of a banged-up team. I mean, they're missing two starters on the defensive line. We've got some other guys that are nicked up. And, and up front is where it's really shown up. Octavius Oxendine is out for the year. Uh, Marquand McCall, nose tackle, is out. they got a, a lot of young, talented defensive linemen, but they're very inexperienced. And I think there's been a drop since, since those guys have, have stepped into starting roles. Yeah, you, mentioned, you mentioned the explosive. That's something Tennessee offensively couldn't, couldn't find an explosive play the first couple games of the season, but have lived on them. 
uh, here lately with Hendon Hooker at quarterback. Hey, last thing, man, I know this game means an awful lot for both fan bases. It really, really does. The battle of once was called the Beer Barrel. Um, you know, Tennessee's had a lot of success in this series, but Kentucky's had some success here lately. Um, you know, what does this game overall, this rivalry game, mean for uh, the Kentucky players, the Kentucky program? Because when asking Tennessee players today or this week at media availabilities, they said, hey, this game means an awful lot. It's a rivalry game. It's a border game. You want to win and you want to protect your state's border. Yeah, well, I mean, Kentucky has been hammering the state of Tennessee in recruiting. They, they, I think they calculated over the last year that while Tennessee is a little bit down, why don't we try to get in there and get some guys we haven't been able to get in recent history. So they got the Wade brothers, Keaton and Destin, and they're trying to get some more. Barry and Brown is going to be deciding soon. Um, but it's important for that, recruiting especially right now. But it's also important for Kentucky in the, if they lose this game. That's three losses in a row. I mean, that kind of overshadows your best start in many, many decades. So you don't want the narrative and all that momentum to, to go out the window. And I feel like if Tennessee goes into Kroger and beats Kentucky third straight loss, that would, that would be really deflating. Um, and, and then Kentucky, obviously, um, a lot of football people don't like it, but there's always the question of when is interest around campus going to shift to basketball, and, and inevitably that would creep up. So it, it's a really big game for Kentucky. Still New Year's Six Bowl possible if they win and so short-term and long-term uh ramifications justin Rowland, publisher of catsillustrated.com the rival site covering the university of tennessee does fantastic work and between now and the game if you want even more detail more previews on tennessee and kentucky uh check us out his work at catsillustrated.com as well as like you mentioned uh during basketball season that kentucky basketball team uh a pretty good one as well so uh justin appreciate it man thanks so much for the time thank you Awesome stuff from Justin Rowland, the publisher of CatsIllustrated.com. And, uh, you know, he's excited about the game coming up on Saturday, as are we, and where we can have even more fun with Tennessee, Kentucky, and the rest of college football and college basketball, um, NBA, NHL, whatever sports you want, that's at BetOnline.ag. Back and better than ever, a new web interface to start the basketball season. More props, more odds, and lines than ever before. It's your number one spot for both basketball and and football this season. And right now, if you head on over to betonline.ag and uh, you check out that updated desktop and mobile website, sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. All you have to do is use the promo code Locked On. That's Locked On for the 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. From basketball to football, baseball postseason, which just wrapped up with your Atlanta Braves, World Series champions, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Las Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. It is never, ever, ever too late. Bet online, it's still the fastest, still the easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, and it's it's where the game starts. Bet online. Bet online. Where the game starts. And Bill Bar, you know we couldn't quite get in a Friday show without talking about our friends at Bill Bar. If you haven't tried Bill Bar by now, you truly missing out. They say it's a protein bar, but it doesn't taste like one. You truly have to to try one of these amazing bars to experience it for yourself to believe it. Most of these protein bars are chalky and waxy and, and just plain hard to choke down. But a built bar, it's different. It's soft. It's covered in 100% real chocolate. And when you bite into it, you know you're eating something different. It's more of an experience, really, and one that you're going to enjoy. In fact, you'd swear that you're eating a candy bar. Again, it's covered in 100% chocolate. So, Built Bars are low in carbs, low in calories, low in sugar, low in fats, high in protein, and all the healthy benefits on top of just being purely delicious. 
in so many flavors, okay? Coconut, raspberry, mint brownie, coconut almond, salted caramel, cherry, double chocolates, everything you could possibly need is at Built.com, and they come out with new flavors every three to four days. So dial into that website, Built.com. You don't want to miss out. Go to Built.com right now. Use that promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your first order. Promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. Guys, I apologize. We're going to be in and out here in segment number three. I mean, that, I, that that was a long segment number two, but it was a good segment number two, and we had a lot of important information to get into at the top of the show, so I do apologize. This is going to be a short and sweet segment number three, but here, here it is. My game preview, Tennessee, go out and get it. You're the better football team, point blank. Um, with respect to Kentucky, because, again, like I've said all week, like I said in segment two, if you don't come out there prepared, if you don't come out there ready to play, Kentucky is good enough to punch you square between the eyes, send you home crying 34-7. Look what happened last year to Tennessee. I mean, need any more proof than that, right? But Tennessee is better equipped to go and get that win at Kentucky. Tennessee, the offense is better equipped. Run the football, open things up over the top, and the tempo will be something that Kentucky has not seen. Mississippi State went a little bit of tempo, but it, Kentucky has not seen anything like what they're about to see on Saturday night. And Tennessee is rested and more healthy coming into this match. I do think both Mays brothers uh, will be ready to roll in the offensive line. I think Todd Evans will be good. Um, I think Tennessee's healthy right now. We'll have to see. Of course, everything changes with Tennessee when it comes to injuries, but I think Tennessee's healthy right now. Um, I just don't think Kentucky is suited to keep up with what Tennessee will do. I'm not saying Tennessee's going to go out there and score 50. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying the way the offense is, and if you get down by a touchdown, even 10 points, the way Kentucky plays, it's just, j- just not good to keep up. Now, just as Justin said, I mean, you do have a deep threat target. I mean, you do have a quarterback that can sling it down the field, but much like Tennessee earlier in the season, Kentucky's not been able to connect on that whatsoever. Now, I also don't think Kentucky has really challenged it like Tennessee has. Tennessee was uh, challenging it like crazy and still does. That's just part of the part of the game with Josh Heupel. But um, it can, it's an ugly game. Run the football, run the football, play good defense, Try to shrink, try to minimize, and try, try to make your opponent play your game. Well, Tennessee's not going to play anybody's game but Tennessee's game. I mean, that that is evident. The Volunteers, I think, go out and get this win over Kentucky. I think Tennessee is the better football team. I think Tennessee can win. I think Tennessee can win by double digits. And, and again, I, I might be eating crow all week long. You know, Saturday night when I'm out there covering that football game, I might be sitting there like, boy, was I wrong. But I, th- I do think it's interesting. All the local media here in Knoxville, everybody that covers the team, you heard from Trey. Trey's technically not local media anymore, but everybody here thinks Tennessee is going to win. Everybody in Lexington, I feel like, is convinced Kentucky's going to win, and the majority of the national media believes Kentucky is going to win as well. But I think from a national perspective, again, national versus local, national doesn't know shit. You just look at um, the 6-0 and start. You look at the number 12 ranking. And you just go with that. I mean, it's a lazy take in my opinion. But again, I say all this not to try to be disrespectful to Kentucky because, again, you guys know I went on my spill yesterday. What Mark Stoops wants to do, he does well. Okay. And that's better than anything Kentucky's had in quite some time. And when I mean quite some time, I mean literally quite some time. So um, I just don't think it's good enough to win football games like this. And I think Tennessee. Uh, we'll go up there and win this. This if you protect the football, you convert on what you need to convert on. You you um, obviously run the football to establish everything opening up. You shut down the run on the other side. A reminder: Kentucky combined 117 rushing yards the past two weeks. Georgia and Mississippi State's. So 
you know, it just kind of is what it is. I'm picking Tennessee to win this game. Um, score prediction, let's go, I don't know, let's go, I don't know, let's go 30, let's go 31-17. Let's go, let's go 28-17. Let's go, no, Tennessee can score more than 28 points. Let's go 35 I'll call my shot. Let's go 35-17. I, I just I feel like it's that type of ball game for Tennessee. I really, really do. So uh, we will see. I'm picking Tennessee to win this football game. I bet you guys are as well. Uh, but 60 minutes will tell the tale. We'll wrap it all up on Locked On Balls, a Monday edition. Don't you worry. Guys, it has been a Fast and Furious Friday show. A uh, big thanks to um, – Justin Rowland of Cats Illustrated for stopping by and giving us a detailed look at who Kentucky is. A lot of you guys say you like the cross promo shows because you you get a feel of who that who that team is. Well, you know, Justin Rowland covers them for rivals, so I think that he's um, I hope you guys really, really liked his insight. Of course, Tennessee, the big news out of Thursday, no postseason bowl ban that's self-imposed as the internal investigation has officially wrapped up. It's Tennessee at Kentucky tomorrow, 7 o'clock, and I will have all the coverage for you at underscore Kane or at Locked On Balls. We'll have a Locked On now afterwards and break it all down on a Monday. Check out Locked On SEC with Chris Gordy. Make it your second listen as the weekend approaches. Lots of games across the SEC this weekend. He'll get you set for what's ahead. Guys, I've enjoyed it. Thank you as always so much. Enjoy your weekend and have a great rest of your Friday, everybody. Everybody.